So Mario, thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast, Culture Sway. I'm Antonia K. Moore. And um, yeah, so we had a brief chat there just before we hopped on. So if you'd like to kind of tell us really, you know, I guess uh, the backstory about yourself, you know, where, where you're from, what you do and how you got into, you know, what you're doing right now at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for, for having me. So name is Mario. I started in business. So I've got two parts to my life because I know your audience is, is very... Uh, with different interests so one of them is dancing so i travel the world dancing bachata as an artist so i get invited to festivals and stuff that's like my, my fun um you know it kind of feeds my 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 longing for for socializing and having a life really outside of business so i do that and then in the business world i started my first company in e-com in 2012 i think it is and um, did really well it still does well now i don't manage it but uh, i'm the the founder and owner and it's in over 30 countries I had a record year last year and that company's called Fruity. Um, got seven figures in year one back in 2012. Uh, by 2013, it hit eight figures. So it did really well, really quickly. Then I got into crypto in 2017, launched IBC, which is now one of the biggest incubators and accelerators in the space. Um, and I invest heavily in the crypto space, private, you know, VC type investments, not buying coins that are listed. And um, we partnered a law firm in crypto as well called International Blockchain Legal. And the most interesting now, most exciting is the co-founder and CEO of a company called NFT Tech. So it's listing on the stock market in Canada under the ticker NFT, which is really interesting. Um, and it's a, it's a company that invests in the space and uh, launches businesses as well, essentially giving exposure to the retail investor and anyone outside of crypto, giving them exposure to the, um, um, to the NFT space. So I, I'm very deep in the NFT space, in the metaverse space. I travel the world speaking about that as well and have been for a while. Wow. Okay. Interesting. So yeah. So when it comes to, you know, NFTs and that, okay, let's, because we're saying there, we might chat about the, the metaverse, which we hundred percent will, but let's like chat about NFTs first. So NFTs, as we know, are non-fungible tokens, which is basically, you know, currency, let's say in such a way. Um, but like, how do people, I mean, a lot of people that are making millions on, um, you know, other platforms at the moment that are selling NFTs generally have been in the digital art world for a number of years, like some even as long as like 15 years, 13 years and 10, etc. So they've just been, they're, they're only taking off now because it's kind of become more of a, of a household term. But um, for those that want to kind of maybe make some money, say, for example, like artists, as you were saying, you're a dancer. So say if there's musicians that are looking to maybe get into that realm of things, because obviously with the whole industry that just went, you know, you know, legs up in the air. And now with only the very, very slow process of gigs coming back, artists are still struggling, particularly musicians, to make money. So they're looking at NFTs, but the, there seems to be sort of a big question mark at how artists could make money from nfts so is there any sort of advice you would give in that um aspect of things yeah so so nfts as a concept just for people to understand mm -hmm. we're barely getting started because the concept of nfts is essentially digital ownership and I, i'm going to define what nfts mean because when people understand it they'll have that aha moment. They'll be like, holy crap, this is, um, you know, by the way, I can't curse. You know, you prefer I don't curse because I, I need to be careful. I sometimes curse accidentally. It's okay, you can. It's all right. Because I, I do it myself okay. from time to time. So it's fine. I'll try to avoid it, but I'm not really good at avoiding it. No, no, no. So NFTs essentially allows for digital ownership. That means, you know, in the physical world, I own these AirPods. I own that phone. I own that mic here that I'm using. I own the laptop. Anywhere I go in the world, I own them. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
And no one needs to say, there's no central party that says you own it. I just own it and can do whatever I want with it because it's mine. In the digital world, technologically speaking, that's impossible. You cannot own anything in the digital world. The only way you can own something is if there's a central party that says you own it. YouTube saying you own the rights to that video. Instagram saying you own that photo. <coughs> Excuse me. A game saying you own the gun or the spaceship in that game because technically that ownership is for the game. Uh, a bank saying that this is your money being transferred and no one can just copy it. No one can copy your video, copy your image because on, on the internet, it's easy to copy paste. Well, in 2018, uh, 2017, the concept of NFTs came out where the technology now allows you to actually own something. So no need for a central party. Technologically speaking, you can own it and no, no one needs to say you own it because you can easily prove it uh, on the, what's called the blockchain, the ledger. So that's what NFTs mean. Now, why am I defining it for the audience? Well, when you understand that NFTs are essentially digital ownership, you start to understand, you'll be like, hold on, Mario. Well, if, if NFTs are digital ownership, why is, why is everyone just talking about art and collectibles? Because that's what everyone talks about now and where all the hype is. Because in the physical world, ownership is a lot more than art and collectibles. Actually, you know, I'm not an art artist. I don't collect any art. I don't have any collectibles either. Most people don't. Yeah, ownership, I own a lot of things from my ID to, to the, I don't own a car, but if I had a car, a house, etc. Um, so in the digital world, NFTs are starting with art and collectibles. They're starting with artists creating art and allowing for ownership to exist, um, creating like an avatar, a collection, a collectible, whatever it is. It's barely the starting point. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. You can actually own anything from financial instruments to, to fashion products. You know, there's a project we're, we're working with called Faith Tribe. And that essentially allows people to buy clothing in the metaverse and the physical world. So you can buy shoes from them made by another designer. And those shoes can be, you get, them, you get a physical copy, you get physical pair of shoes, and you get the digital version that no one can copy because now there's NFTs can allow for it to be an original. So then you'd have an original Gucci or Prada or whatever pair of shoes, or it could be some uh, niche um, designer that created it that you like. So the, the concept of NFTs will expand well beyond collectibles and art from um, uh, medical records, to, as I said, financial instruments, et cetera. And then that expands into the concept of the metaverse which exists because of NFTs, because now you can own something in a whole digital world and you could live in that world similar to how you live in the physical world. So it's like, it's like Pandora's box, similar to how the internet was Pandora's box back in the 90s. And we're trying to understand the breadth of, of that innovation. We're going through the same thing now. And over the next decade, our life will gradually shift to a very different life that will in a way resemble the, the, the intro to the movie Ready Player One. Uh, by Steven Spielberg. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, that was a fairly um, good, I suppose, like description of NFTs and that. But I suppose, <clears throat> like what I was talking about previously on one of my other podcasts is, you know, ways of making money with NFTs. And I think it's really all down to, say, if you're a musician, you, you've, you know, you've got to build a community because, as I mentioned, like the people that are making money now have people or have been people that have been in the space for years already and have already built that community and are just now taking off. Whereas people that are brand new to it, they might create an NFT on OpenSea and um, 
you know, and just to kind of like for to, to simplify that, like with the audience as well, it's, you know, digital art that you can create on any sort of any platform. You can Google like different art things, but you could even do it like on something like Canva. Um, and then if you've got a, a track, you can upload it. But then I suppose like how, they kind of wonder then, like, how do they make money? Because they put it up and maybe they haven't built that community yet. But I was saying before they need to build a community using like Twitter or maybe um there's a discord as well and that's kind of where a lot of people in the nft space do hang out but um you know they kind of put it up there and then that's it it's just crickets so is there any sort of advice you would give there for them to uh to tell them like how they would actually be able to earn from putting it up let's say an open sea or is it just literally you're going to have to put in that work to build that community great question so so i get asked that question a lot like the question, and that, that will be relevant to your, to your question, is what brings value to NFTs? Mm. And you know, I've, I've spoken at many events. I've just made it a topic that I spoke at, um, at various events, including TEDx three days ago, about that exact topic. What brings values to NFTs and as well the metaverse? Um, and really that applies to any business. Very simple. Mm-hmm. A community, adoption. Because mm-hmm. if, you have, if you have a shop, a physical shop selling stuff, and there's no one visiting it, it's it's worthless. It's not gonna it's not gonna operate. If you create a city, and no one goes there, you know China is known to have ghost cities. No one goes there. That city is useless. No one will live there. Prices will be will be peanuts. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same thing for a website. You create a website, no one goes there. It's worthless. NFTs. Anyone can create an NFT. Doesn't mean that NFT has value. Um, so what you need to do is build a community, as you said. So how to build a community? Well, well, obviously I could talk about this because IBC, one of the companies I mentioned that I founded, the incubator. And that's what it does for projects. Uh, it builds out communities as a starting point before getting them investors and listing them on a, on a, on a crypto exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, so to build a community, first thing, Telegram is a good starting point or Discord. And that's where the crypto space hangs out. The first thing you need to build, a, uh, and that, that, again, that anyone listening, that applies well outside of crypto. I've, I've had that similar, I've talked about this and there's books about this in the business world as well. Um, to build a community, first step is to have a story. What do you stand for? What are people believing in? What, are, what is your community about? And again, I'm not really talking for the sake of talking, just talking things that sound cool. I'm just giving you true facts. You need to have a story. What does your NFT stand for? If you're an artist, you know, if you think about digital art, let's talk about art. If you think about, let's talk about the movie Wall Street. You know, Wall Street Money Never Sleeps. That's the second Wall Street movie. And, and you'll, you might find that reference in multiple movies where someone's showing their art and then explaining what that art stands for and the story of either the painter or the story of the art itself. In the movie, Wall Street Never Sleeps, the, one of the main characters is showing a, a piece of art of, a, of like a monster eating a human's head. I know it sounds horrible, but that's the scene. And then explains what that monster, that monster I think stood for Saturn and Saturn, I think, used to eat his enemies. And he was saying how he, that, that stands for being ruthless in business. Mm-hmm. So that was the story of that piece of art. And that story gave it value. It could be a story of an artist. So if you're creating a piece of art, what does it stand for? If you're creating community for your art or community for your NFT avatars that you're creating, what does that community stand for? And then you have to build on that. Engage your community. Have get-togethers. Have meetings. It starts very small. It starts very organic. And there's a great book on this. Um, I've read well before I got into crypto called 1000 True Fans. It's not a book. I think it's an article. 1000 True Fans. And it stands, the concept is if you have 1000 true fans, you have a healthy business. Mm-hmm. Fans that actually will pay to go to an event, will try to meet you, will attend each one of your uh, online events, each one of your podcasts. If you have a thousand of those, you have a business. 
So focus on getting those thousand hardcore true fans mm -hmm. and they'll spread the word. They'll become your marketing machines. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, that would be my two cents for anyone building a business or anyone launching an NFT, a metaverse or a crypto project. Uh, yeah, fantastic. That's actually a really, really good point um, because well, what you did there is you kind of simplify the story because I suppose like on online, on Instagram or anything else, like there is so many different sort of businesses that are trying and failing or that are out there and succeeding. And then people are asking the ones that are succeeding, you know, what is your secret? And they tell you all the ways and means about it, but they don't tell you actually what they do. Um, I suppose they're trying to keep people guessing so they keep people buying. Um, but it is, it does always come down to story, but like they don't really kind of explain, um, you know, how you create a story or what your story should be or how a story works in business. But uh, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there, just saying that like you, with, with the Wall Street, um, you know, idea that you had there with the monster and Saturn and whatnot. That is something, it's simple. It sticks in the head. Even when you were talking about it, it does create a visual in the mind. So therefore, that's your story. So it's something that can be quick and easy. It doesn't have to be your whole life story, which people do kind of get confused about, about or by. Um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, a big, long story about like, um, oh, from rags to riches or whatnot. So that was pretty good. Um, a good kind of description of it. And then just to kind of say that, yeah, then you draw, you, you know, draw in your thousand fans or whatnot. And then it's all word of mouth, which is very, very true. So um, I suppose actually just before we go into talking about the metaverse, I just want to kind of go back there when you're saying about your, your incubator. So tell us a bit about your, your incubator program that you uh, were the founder of. <clears throat> yeah, sure. So IBC um, is an incubator for various crypto projects, but the, the more interesting one for the audience would probably be NFT tech and because that's listing on the stock market. Uh, I have to be careful what I say. Sorry, I'll rephrase that. That's we're expecting to, we're working towards listing this on the stock market under the ticker NFT. Um, just have to be clear in what I say. Um, and then if it does list, if and when it does list, um, any investor could buy that stock and have exposure to the NFT space. So we buy up a lot of NFTs about metaverse assets and we invest in projects really early as well as launch our own projects. Um, so instead of someone trying to spend hours a day understanding the space, um, through NFT tech, or if they, I'm sure there's going to be other index funds launching later. Mm -hmm. It gives them that level of access. I've been in crypto for a long time, mm -hmm. um, but from an educational perspective, I think um, you know checking out NFTtech.com, um, you know, kind of, kind of promoting the the business there and, and seeing how we look at the space. You know, I do actually. You know what I'll say in a way that brings value to the audience. Mm -hmm. Google my name, Mario Norfo, and, and put crypto afterwards. And you'll get a bunch of videos because I share my journey and I'm 24-7 I'm in the crypto space. I objectively look at the space and give people an idea of where the space is heading and what to avoid um, and, and just a better understanding. And I'm sure there's other people smarter than me talking about it. And I, I'd say that's a good starting point for anyone, uh, whether it's NFTs or the metaverse, before going out there and starting to buy those NFTs, just understand that people like me invest well before you do. And then by the time the retail investor is getting in, insiders usually sell because it's already too late um so i just want everyone to be very careful not to come in late like happens every single time with every single innovation you come in late you get too excited it's called formal fear of missing out and then you end up getting what they call wrecked or getting you know losing a lot of money when the market corrects so just be very careful and it's better to be early and if you can't be early try to get exposure to the space indirectly through trusted sources um, yeah, great advice. Um, and I suppose just with the crypto then, like what would you sort of suggest people should start looking into? Do you think that um, people should start buying, you know, Bitcoin? Should they look into Ethereum, or, you know, what exactly should, 
like yeah. where what would you advise people to what direction would you advise people to um go? you know that might come for a shock for someone i haven't had bitcoin in years not me sorry months i haven't owned bitcoin in months i haven't owned ethereum in you know i only buy ethereum when i need to use it uh, for minting or different mm-hmm. aspects of ethereum obviously has a utility but there's no coins on the mar- on the on the um on coin market cap that I would invest because I'm very risk averse and I'm deep in the space. Gives you an idea. NFTs, I'm very careful in what I invest because um, it's really, really tough. So the best way for anyone that's willing to put in the hours, the best way is getting early access to deals. So we invest in projects before anyone knows about them, when they're raising money privately, before they list on an exchange, you can buy them publicly. Anyone can buy them on an exchange. We invest before that. Um, and that's where the real returns are, you know, investing in Ethereum um, before it launched during the private sale or investing in Solana in the private sale. Um, that's a lot more lucrative, but it's a lot more risky as well because there's so many projects and most of them will fail. Um, so what I'd recommend, because I'm, I'm kind of scaring people away from this space, as a first step I'd recommend is education, understanding the space, uh, starting to connect and build a relationship with the space because it's all about relationships. We all share deals with each other. And getting access to those deals is very difficult. So I'd say getting relationships. Obviously, um, projects like NFT Tech um, gives exposure to these people without having to spend the time going in because we have the insider, um, not insider information, but the information that most people don't have, that deep knowledge. Um, And I'm sure some index funds will launch soon, allowing people to get exposure to the blue chips. Um, But I'm always very skeptical. I'm always very worried. Um, I'd say invest in the blue chips whether it's, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, Decentraland, Sandbox, Blocktopia, Cydus Heroes. You know, those are all blue chip uh, projects, crypto projects, or blue chip NFTs like, you know, Fidanzas, CryptoPunks, uh, Board Apes, Yacht Club. Um, when, but not now, when the market is like in complete, complete fear, when everyone is really scared, like, you know, Bitcoin in COVID was at $3,000 went as low as almost $3,000. Now it's at $37,000. So mm-hmm. when there's a lot of fear, that's usually, you know, as Warren Buffett says, invest when everyone, when you know, be greedy when everyone's fearful and fearful when everyone's greedy. Um, and that's te- that tends to be the approach I like to take. Yeah, that's good advice. For sure. Um, yeah, okay. So yeah, I, I would just suggest like, yeah, definitely like Google, I'll put the links in uh, the show notes as well. So anybody can just like hop on the link and uh, learn more about Mario and, you know, check out your crypto videos, etc. Um, so right, so let's dive into the metaverse then. And, you know, let's just say, because okay, personally, I'm on Clubhouse and uh, like just listening really. And um, it's a lot of people that are talking about, you know, uh, the metaverse and, a lot of business owners that are kind of coming in and asking questions and saying they're just they really want to kind of get ahead of the game with this, you know, and get in now before it's too late or before it gets too saturated, etc. I mean, it is very early doors, like, but I mean, I suppose everybody kind of wants a piece of that pie ASAP. Um, and of course, all the big names are, are joining in the metaverse right now. So that just kind of gives, you know, I suppose interest, you know, to, to everybody to want to join right now. So I suppose like for small businesses, particularly, you know, that want to kind of get in, but they kind of maybe just feel a little bit too, you know, uh, maybe overwhelmed by the whole thing. What can a small business owner do (laughs) to get into the metaverse or understand the metaverse? And let's just say, have a piece of that pie. Yeah, sure. Uh, So you'll hear a bit of background noise next to me. Uh, Let me me move my location in a few seconds. Give me a few seconds. Let me move to a quieter spot. That's okay.
All right, so, so you know, funny enough, I can answer that question in an interesting a way that could relate to you as well, because I used to be on Clubhouse um, and I used to run the biggest daily rooms on Clubhouse uh, back when I was at its peak. I used to have 10,000 people listening to me per day. The place was called The Roundtable. Celebrities coming in every day. So I know Clubhouse. And what's more interesting is, is the way I look at Clubhouse. Clubhouse itself is a metaverse, if you think about it. Because if you want to look at the definition of a metaverse, the metaverse is essentially a digital version of the physical world we live in today. So if you look at the world we live in today, okay, and then you, you imagine that world completely virtual, essentially that's the metaverse. Um, so when you're on Clubhouse, Clubhouse is a place to socialize, to build relationships, to learn, etc. These are all things that we used to do in the physical world. We used to you know, socialize and meet in, in, you know, at events, etc. Well, Clubhouse replaced those, especially... Um, um, with um, COVID kicking in. So Clubhouse became the place we all met together. We all built relationships. We all educated ourselves um, and, and built those meaningful relationships. I was there doing it on a daily basis. I would spend hours a day there at its peak. Um, so if you think of it this way, Clubhouse is already a metaverse, but it's a very early version of the metaverse where it's controlled by a central entity, a company like Clubhouse. Um, but anything digital that represents physical things yet that you do not, we're on Zoom right now doing an interview. Usually you'd have interviews face-to-face -face on radio shows, TV shows. Now it's on Zoom. Um, you know, you used to watch TV to entertain yourself. Now you're on Instagram, YouTube. Uh, you know, filters on Instagram are the new makeup. So in a way, we're already living in that digital world. But it's not as immersive as it will be. And it's not, it's also not decentralized. What I mean by this, and that's where it gets, this is where all the hype is. And then I'll relate this on how businesses could take advantage of it. So it's not decentralized. In other words, as I said, digital ownership was not possible technologically until now. And if you really want to look at the metaverse as a digital representation of the physical world, then you have to have, you know, ownership has to exist. In the physical world, you can own things. In the digital world, you can't own things. You can't own something without a central entity saying you own it. But now that has changed. What does that mean? Well, you can literally, over, as, as the space develops, you can move from metaverse to metaverse with assets that you own, whether it's clothing, whether it's you know, vehicles, whether it's, it's financial instruments, everything in the physical world can now exist in a virtual world. And you can move from one metaverse to another with those assets. Now, that might sound a bit complicated for someone. So the best way to simplify it is imagine, is watch the movie Ready Player One. Okay, the movie Ready Player One. And just imagine multiple worlds like this. Ready Player One is actually perfect for that. The only difference in the movie Ready Player One, there's like a central entity that controls the, the metaverse. But in what's being developed now as a decentralized metaverse, no one controls it. It's like it's all built on code, just like no one controls Earth as a country, as a, as a, sorry, as a planet. Yeah. Um, and it operates based on physics. The virtual world, no one controls it and it operates based on code. So it's a completely digital world you live in. Now, how does a business look at that world and, and you know, start engaging in it? Mm -hmm. Well, in the short term, there's not much to do because you know, these innovations take time. The human brain overestimates the short-term impact of innovation, but underestimates the long-term potential. And what's happening now is people are expecting too much from that open metaverse or what I like to call the multiverse. They're expecting too much. They're expecting it to change the world today or tomorrow. That won't happen. It will happen in, over the next few months and years as it develops. The same way the internet took you know, a decade or so before we, we started watching YouTube and having uh, WhatsApp calls. Mm -hmm. So as, as, a, as a small business, don't worry about it. If you're a bigger company, like a public company, obviously having some sort of exposure to the metaverse is important. 
so you can show your investors you're ahead of the curve and you're taking advantage of that new trend called the metaverse. Mm-hmm. So I can just explain the metaverse. And for any business right now, if you want to get into it, just educate yourself. I think the best thing you could do right now is education. So as the space matures and there's more users on this, it makes sense to start getting involved. You at least understand it and you know exactly how to get involved. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and like, I suppose like really, would you recommend, um, you know, people are looking to, to get involved. I think that at the beginning, they were, you know, kind of questions of like, you know, literally how do you need a VR or this kind of thing. Um, but then, you know, we, we like, I mean, there is, there's, you know, platforms such as Decentraland and Sandbox. So I don't know, let's say you have maybe, I mean, there's so many coaches out there at the moment. Like, so let's say you might have like a coach that maybe wants to, to teach in the metaverse, is that possible? And like, what would be, you know, would you recommend Decentraland or a Sandbox or some other platform? Or what would you, what would you say to that? Sure. Some of the leading metaverses would be, um, you know, Decentraland, Sandbox and Blocktopia are like three leading metaverses. Then there's, so, okay. For a coach to start using the metaverse, they need users on there. It will end up, you know, give it a year, and you'll start, you know, you can start using it because there'll be more and more people using it and it'll be more adoption. You know, using um, face, using, let's say, let's use the example of using Twitter when it first launched, you wouldn't expect to have many users because there's barely anyone on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone looked at it as a fad. But if you were early, then you were well positioned to leverage it as it grew. So starting to use the metaverse now and understand it, don't expect much return from it, but you'll understand it. So when people start using it more and more, and you know, for Facebook to rebrand to Meta and start focusing fully on the metaverse gives you an idea of, of, of the potential of the space for a, a company the size of Facebook, mm-hmm. or now known as Meta, um, and with the intelligence and the analysts that you have, they focus on the metaverse and, and, and you know, they focus long-term, gives you an idea that this will be a thing. So position yourself on platforms like Sandbox, Decentraline, et cetera, uh, Blocktopia and others allows you to, to understand it. But in terms of starting to have sessions there now, just wait another few months until there's a platform that allows you to have very immersive sessions on there through, including like VR headsets and all that. I'll give it a few months. Now, if you're into gaming, if you're in the gaming space, that's blowing up. So it's like the early adopters of the metaverse are gamers. You see games like Sidus Heroes and Star Atlas and yeah. Axie Infinity. Uh, those are games that are blowing up. Um, if you're a gamer, research Axie Infinity, research Sidus, S-I-D-U-S, Sidus Heroes, research um, um, Star Atlas and a bunch of others. Um, it gives you an idea of, um, you know, of, of how those games will operate within the metaverse and the potential. They're growing extremely rapidly. You know, um, uh, Axie Infinity is doing hundreds of millions of dollars in terms of volume, um, insane numbers and uh, fast growing uh, number of users. So that's a fascinating world for gamers to start looking at now. Yeah, wow. Okay, so like there's, there's a lot really, I suppose you can kind of take away from everything, but it's sort of, I suppose, it will be a relief really to, you know, uh, anyone listening that it's not necessarily something you have to jump in, you know, effective of yesterday. It's something that, that you know, does need time to develop and uh, will be there in a few months if you just probably... My, my advice to anybody would be to maybe like put your sort of uh, strategy or your game plan, let's say together and exactly what you're looking to do. And as you said as well, absolutely do your research, you know, educate yourself and look into these things. And then in a few months time, maybe give yourself a timeline, say, 
you know, you could give yourself like to the end of June or July and go right, okay, you know, July generally is quiet for most businesses. And uh, maybe then you can start like building, you know, your whatever you want to build in the metaverse, your business in the metaverse. So that's that's all pretty good advice. And uh, yeah, as I said, like probably a relief to a lot of people too, that it's not necessarily something you need to hop into right now. But yeah, maybe in the next, you know, I suppose within the next year or so. Um, so fantastic. So is there uh, anything else you'd like to, to add, you know, if you have any sort of, um, I suppose, tips or tips, tricks, tools, tactics or techniques, as I say, for any sort of small business owners out there? Yeah, so I would just remind people that, the, again, the human brain overestimates the short-term impact, which I, I mentioned. That means hype, mm. but underestimates the long-term potential. That means the, the, the impact of the metaverse over the next few years um, is even hard to imagine for people like me that are deep in the space. Mm -hmm. So what I recommend for businesses right now is education. Learn the space so when the space matures and adoption increases, you're at the forefront. You understand it um, and you know how to capitalize on it. Um, so yeah, I think education is key. Fantastic. That's amazing advice. So listen, Mario, thank you so much. Um, if you'd like to kind of tell us where people can find you, if they're looking to find out more or get in touch. Yeah, sure. Just Google my name, Mario Norfal, N-A-W-F-A-L. You know, I talk a lot about uh, crypto, but I, you know, I, I used to, I've been talking about for years about entrepreneurship and business. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've spoken a lot of events about entrepreneurship. So, and that's why I like the, uh, you know, the, uh, the metaverse because it, it, it's like, imagine like you're an entrepreneur in the 90s and you're, you know, you know about the internet. You're, you're just at such a, an advantage over others. Um, and it's the same thing with, with here. So there's a great video I'd recommend everyone to watch called, um, just Google Bill Gross, G-R-O-S-S. -S. Mm -hmm. TED, T-E-D has a TED speech about the importance of timing, being the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. And the metaverse is that for me. And if you want to learn more about NFT Tech, the company that we're working to take public as a way to give exposure to you, an easy way to get exposure to the space, uh, just go NFT Tech, T-E-C-H, com um you can read about me the team and and at least you know just educate yourself go in there see what we're investing in and then learn about those companies so mm -hmm. education again is is probably your is your core focus right now yeah 100 percent, fantastic and just tell us before you go uh you know where you're doing your talks at the moment and if people want to maybe uh check out your talks you have a, a website yeah uh, oh uh, just just google me they're, they're everywhere like, okay I, everything so much. yeah I, I, there was at one stage of like, two months ago i was on a plane every two days Literally every two days I was on a plane to a new city to, to, to do a talk. Now I'm doing it more virtually. Um, just it's a lot more, well, obviously more convenient. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there's a lot there. Uh, but yeah, definitely listen to the ones about the metaverse because I'm an entrepreneur that got into the metaverse instead of being a very tech-oriented person or a developer. That means I, I look at everything from an entrepreneurial lens uh, yeah. on, okay, how can I capitalize on the space? How can I position myself to take advantage of the space, you know, as I did over the last four years uh, very successfully. So I think a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners would relate to that way of looking at the space rather from a technological perspective, which is not as relevant to an entrepreneur. For sure. And actually, just just kind of a question that came to mind is, uh, again, as I was saying, like we're, you know, it's, it's all, you know, entrepreneurs and small businesses, medium businesses and people that are trying to scale. Um, so there's a lot of people as well that would be in my audience that would be interested in maybe doing, you know, what you're doing right now at the moment is like doing uh, talks. So, I mean, what would you, what kind of advice would you give to anybody to get into to doing talks? Events, events are, a, are, so if you're looking at talks with, I'll, I'll answer this two ways, doing talks in general and doing talks in the metaverse. Talks in the metaverse is going to be a thing. I think it's going to be one of the early use cases of the metaverse. 
especially as there's more adoption, because the space is really early, you can message Decentraland, Blocktopia, Sandbox, and, and you know, work with them. Tell us, hey, what, what are events? What, where can I participate? They want that adoption. So they'll listen to you. In a few years' time, when there's got tens of millions of users, obviously, it's not going to be as easy to get them to support you. So being early there is, is obviously beneficial for you. And then in general, doing talks in general, um, building a personal brand, building relationships with those events, um, and just reaching out to event organizers about your skill set and saying, hey, can I speak? When you speak at one event, it becomes easier to speak at others. And then it gets to a stage where it's, you know, you, get, you speak nonstop. Now, I don't charge for me speaking because I don't need the money. It's more the, the getting the exposure. Mm. And that's how you should look at it. Speaking alone won't make you money. It's about the, the, you know, the call to action or the reason you're speaking, bringing attention to your business, raising money, really? uh, building a community. Exactly. Build, position yourself as a thought leader. There's so much value in having a personal brand mm-hmm. to this day, even though you know we've been preaching it for years and years. Um, it's one of the most underrated marketing strategies to this day. So leveraging events and speeches, but you don't need to do a lot of events. I recommend virtual events, just a lot less expensive, a lot more, lot more efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, but I recommend doing a few physical events so you have a footage of you speaking at a stage because it gives that credibility. I totally agree. Fantastic. Listen, Maria, I won't keep you any longer. Listen, thank you so much for your time and all that amazing information. Hopefully I'll have you back on again sometime in the near future. And uh, to anybody listening, I'll put all of the links and everything in the show notes. Mario Nafal, and I will put his name there for you as well. So listen, thanks once again and best of luck with everything. And uh, I'll be, I'll try and follow you and keep a close eye as well because it sounds like you're doing so many different amazing things. And as I said, hopefully we'll have you back on the show again sometime. Antonia, thank you so much for your time. And I, appreciate, I apologize for the background noise. I'm just at a hotel lobby and my room, all my team has took over my, my, my house. So I'm <laughs> at a hotel lobby fine. instead. So yeah, I apologize for that. That's absolutely fine. I think there's a background, a uh, bit of background noise for myself as well. Because I've got a dog here who just kind of woke up and he's been vying for my <laughs> So <laughs> oh, good. I didn't hear well. it. All good. Listen, Mario, thank you so much again. And uh, take care for now. We'll chat again. Bye for now. Ciao. Bye-bye.